Hi. Hi. Welcome back to With Friends Like Us. We're Annalise and Taylor, your resident besties. Today, we're going to talk about how we survived our toxic workplace. As you all know, Annalise and I worked together for almost four years, which allowed us to connect on a professional level, as well as the friendship we had already shared for 20 years prior. This shared experience has really strengthened our friendship and has, in a lot of ways, bonded us in a way most friends do not understand. We hope that you enjoy part one of surviving our toxic workplace. So grab your bestie, your favorite coffee, and let's get into it. Coffee time. We're on repeat again. Yeah, let's let's see if you can all guess what we're having. <laughs> Pop quiz. Exactly. What are the ingredients? And who can say it the fastest? <laughs> Ten times in a row. Oh, yeah. Probably not even a barista. In fact, today they made us pull around to the front. I that didn't know this never was happened. the box. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is this? Never happened before. And, I mean, we all know I'm particular. And we get the drinks, and I look at Taylor, and I'm like... <sighs> That's too much cold foam. But I was like, you know what? We had to wait. I think we parked for like at least five minutes. Oh, at least. For at them least. to bring the coffee out. And I was like, Ugh, you are so lucky that you're so busy and slammed <laughs> today. I'm not going to walk myself back in there and say, guess that's too much cold foam. Yeah, but she did come back to my house and just scoop it right off the top. Hey, she made it work. Yeah, I did. It's not the greatest, but it's not the worst I've ever had. Yeah. And you know what? They were clearly super busy. I mean, maybe short staff. So you made a decent enough drink for how busy you were. I just hope that everyone that got this coffee today had a better <laughs> coffee than I did. Yeah, it probably made their day a little bit better, too, because it really is such a good coffee. So good. I texted Annalise the other day and I said, there's nothing better than when the coffee hits just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it, changes, right. it changes your entire day. Oh, so delicious. All right, so we are going to be covering our shared experience of working in a toxic workplace. And Mm -hmm. this is probably one of the episodes that Taylor and I were like the most excited, apprehensive, a whole bunch of different Mm -hmm. emotions that we've had recording this episode. But I Mm -hmm. do think that the material that we have to cover and our shared experience could bring a lot of value to all of you listeners that, you know, may be going through the same thing. I hope to God you haven't experienced the majority of the things that we've experienced. But if you have, I promise it'll get better. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, from the jump, we knew we wanted to have a recording of this topic. And we've talked and talked and talked about it. And then even today, like prepping for this recording, we talked again about like, how far do we want to go? Like, what what are our limits? Do we have limits? And I think we just decided like, we just have to be as honest as we can be of what our truth is. And that's not to say that, you know, we have listeners that perhaps work at the same place we did that didn't have those experiences because truthfully, they may not have. And that's okay too. But this is our honest truth of what we went through every day and the things we had to experience and work through. Yeah. So buckle up, buttercups. 
(laughs) Just in case you may not know what a toxic workplace is, we found some information from themuse.com that could be helpful. So I'm going to read a little bit here. A toxic work environment is one where negative behaviors such as manipulation, bullying, yelling, and so on are so intrinsic to the culture of the organization that a lack of productivity, a lack of trust, stress levels, infighting, and discrimination become the norm. Wow. What is infighting? Infighting. I had to look that up too. Because oh. <laughs> I was like, what is it? Do we need to remove it? So infighting is hidden conflict or competitiveness within an organization. And to me, that one, once I read that, I was like, ooh, that hits deep. Like yeah. that one hit the most out of all those adjectives and descriptions of what a toxic work environment can be. Yeah. So if we were to identify the common signs and behaviors of a toxic workplace. And there's so many. There are so many. So no boundaries and encouraged to prioritize work. People don't trust each other. There's no room for mistakes. People treat each other with contempt. Interpersonal relationships aren't healthy. No support for employee growth. People frequently feel gaslighted. People regularly experience physical symptoms of work stress. And people are disengaged and turnover is high. Mm -hmm. I would say so many of those apply to where we had come from. Oh, yeah. The only thing that might be questionable is the turnover. Although we did see, I guess, quite a bit in our specific department. And I never really knew if it was the job itself or what, but... I guess it could speak to the people as well because we did have some high turnover. But I will disclaimer this, that we didn't overall in this place have high turnover just because of the type of work it was. Right. Had we been in any other job um, sector, sector, if you will, the turnover probably would have been ridiculous. Right. But I think given all the circumstances and benefits that people received, like... You were a slave to the work. Oh, absolutely. It kept everyone there. Mm -hmm. But I will say when I started working there, I remember, um, I remember being told like, oh, you know, the turnover is so low. People stay here and they retire and we hardly ever hire people and all of that. And I was like, okay, like that's cool. And then I felt like as the years went by, it was like, oh, we're turning over people pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think the culture of that did change during the time that I was there because it felt like towards the end of at least my employment there, there was quite a bit of turnover. Okay, so kind of like I said at the beginning, this is our personal experience exclusively. And we definitely want to make this disclaimer that we're not trying to call anyone out for the horrible people they are or anything like that. But this is just genuinely what we experienced. And on that same hand, on the opposite side, we also had a lot of fun with certain people. So it's very hard for us. And I think this was also hard for a lot of people in the environment to understand because it also looked like we were always having fun or getting along. Yeah, it was, it's a very weird dichotomy for us where it's like when things were really good, they were really good and we enjoyed working there and we were, you know, we learned a ton. The foundation of everything that we learned 
it's from this institution. Yeah. And I tell people that now, like I always say, bar none, that is where I learned enhanced work ethic because I feel like I've already had, always had a good work ethic. That is where I picked up so many things. I learned so much about everything, like Mm -hmm. work culture, environment, programs, people, like I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. So I took that positive away from this experience as well. Absolutely. Um, But that doesn't mean that the flip side wasn't horrible and traumatizing and toxic because it was. And that is our truth. And we are in no way trying to devalue anyone or Mm -hmm. um, speak ill of anyone because that is not our intention. No, Um, we're we're not bad people. We're just literally giving you our perspective on our podcast here. Like, this is what we went through. And my guess is there's probably someone that's going to listen that has experienced or is experiencing similar things. And maybe this can help you. Like, maybe we can give you some insight into things we did or said or didn't do that you can take away and try in your own work life. I think Taylor and I are now mature enough to identify that, you know, we also had shortcomings and we also added to a negative work environment and we're not in any way trying to make it seem like we were innocent in any of these situations Mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, we weren't. We certainly are not trying to sit here and be on a pulpit and preach to everyone that every person we encountered was bad and we were, you know, saints in this situation because we know we weren't. Like Annalise said, we now have matured enough and grown enough to take a step back and look at what our part was in the situation as well. Yes. And recognize that we could have done different. In the time, I don't think we were far enough away from it to see it, but now we do. And let me just start by saying, I know blanket apologies don't work for everyone, but to anyone that I actually hurt or offended or made feel any kind of way while they worked with me, I truly do apologize because that's not who I am. I'm not a mean or vindictive person, and I would truly never, ever want to hurt anybody. And I truly am sorry. I second that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, follow up that. (laughs) Well, I feel like the people that I know I hurt, I was able to apologize to them. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. But if I didn't, I'm really sorry for how I made you feel and it was not okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go cry. So jumping in. <laughs> Let's go cry. Okay. So we did identify some of the signs or behaviors in toxic workplaces. And um, we did kind of want to give you guys some examples of kind of what we went through. People treat each other with contempt. It was always this thing. Well, it kind of also parlays into the number one, no boundaries encouraged to prioritize work. I couldn't even tell you how big my PTO bank was because I never took time off. Like, never took time off. You were the saint and I was the (laughs) devil on that one. (laughs) I didn't call in sick. I didn't take vacation. And if I did, it was like, okay, I'm going on a two-week cruise and that's it for like a year and a half or two years. Like, that's it. I just didn't call in. One of the reasons being, 
clearly didn't value myself or my own mental health. But I knew any time I was going to call out or be sick or have planned vacation, I could prep my work so amazingly well, make sure everything was coordinated. There probably wouldn't be a stone unturned. But I knew that the people, my coworkers, my cohorts in my department would receive the wrath of hell and fury from our supervisor. And I don't know why that was because I wasn't in it. I would just know I would always text Annalise like a couple hours into my journey somewhere a day and be like, how are things? And she would be like, yeah, not good, but to be expected. She would always try and sugarcoat it because she knew it would affect me while I was away, but I always knew it was happening. And it just irked me to no end because I'm like, why can't you just be nice to the people that are still there? They know what they're doing. They can do the job too. But why do you have to be such a see you next Tuesday? That would also encourage you to not take time, to not call out and to not do any of the things, even when you weren't feeling well. Like Mm -hmm. how many times would you be like, I have a horrible headache or I feel really sick. And I'd be like, why aren't you calling out sick? And yeah. you're like, uh, do I even need to tell you? And I'm yeah. like, well, I appreciate you, but also you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. But Go it was home. like, it was nothing for someone to be like in their office. Oh, my head hurts or oh this. And I'm leaving for the day. And I'm like, meanwhile, like there have been times where people would puke in the bathroom and it was like, suck it up or fine. Go ahead and go. But I'm just not going to talk to you for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, I called out all the time <laughs> because either I was sick or my kids were sick. And then I didn't get spoken to for a few days or a response by text. Mm-hmm. So remember, what was that? Episode one or two, we were talking about the emojis and things like that. This is specifically what we're referring to when we talked about maybe we don't like it because we were traumatized. This is it. I didn't get it a lot because I didn't you call didn't it because I was like terrified. Yeah. But it would literally be like, I'm just going to thumbs up this. Yeah, I was more shocked when I did get a response than when I didn't, because most often I didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, then it'd also be like playing the game, too, of um, Annalise would text me and be like, I'm not coming. She'd always give me a heads up. Like, very rare did I not get a heads up. And I would always have to pretend in the morning like I had no clue. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, also, I think the times that I didn't contact you was like when my head was literally in a toilet. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I have to pretend because God forbid if I know, like, then Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in trouble. I think it's a little bit different, too, because we're best friends and we work together. So we had each other's backs in a way that, you know, normal coworkers didn't have each other's backs. So Taylor was always there to kind of like give me the skinny on what was happening if I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And I would do the same for her if she wasn't. Mm hmm. Yeah, just because we also knew that what we were up against. Yeah. So I always wanted you to come prepared, fully ready to battle if you needed to, and vice versa. Had I had another coworker that wasn't you and we were close enough, like texting wise, I probably would have done the same, maybe not to the degree we did because of us being best friends. Yeah. But definitely would have tipped them off in some way because I just wanted everyone to be prepared and not come in like blindsided to what they're going to get the next day. Right. 
So another example, no support for employee growth. Huh. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because we each experienced it at different times mm-hmm. of our tenure there and different reasons why. Right. And of course, these are our interpretations of like how it all went down. Okay. Well, mine was from the horse's mouth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that horse could have been spewing stuff. I don't know. But I had been there for years and didn't understand why I wasn't being promoted. And I'm not saying I feel like, oh, wow, I I deserve this promotion. Like, no, the way the chain of events work, I should have been in this particular position. And let's also remind each everyone, I was doing that work anyway. Yeah. But when asked about it, I was told she's too young. Which is ageist. Yeah, which it, it is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and be... Um, okay, I. what does my age have anything to do? I show up? Yeah. Am I a good worker? Do I call in sick? Do I call out on PTO all the time? No. So what exactly does my age have to do with any of it? Exactly. Bull. I call BS. <laughs> Mine was a little bit different, but after Taylor left, I guess I was the more, the most seniored in our department to then move up into that position. When we went out to recruitment, I applied and I was told I had to apply. And when I did, I wasn't given a conversation. I just was not interviewed. I was actually put on the panel to where someone else was um, given the position. And then I was told later on that a different plan was meant for me and that I was going to get that position another position was going to be created and that I would move into that position. And so that was a complete mind fuck for me because it was like gaslit. Well, and then I also was like working really hard Mm -hmm. to like show that I could do it and, you know, training somebody else. And then that person was just not getting it. it. That was a very frustrating situation and it ended up being a very negative situation. And I just kept thinking in my head, like, if you just would have given me the position, we never would have been in mm-hmm. the, in this situation. And so I had to show up every day trying to find the positive mm-hmm. all the time and trying to show up and do the work and do a lot more than what I was being paid to do, but not being given the opportunity but I was being told all the time how valued I was. And but so, then shown something different. Correct. A couple of takeaways in that. One being, I love that you say that you were told you had to apply. Because I heard that time and time again working there. And what's funny about that is... To be considered for the position, I had to apply. Correct. But you were told you needed to apply, basically. Yeah. So... From the top of the chain there, I had heard so many times in different venues and settings, it takes all sorts of people. This company does not work without everyone. We can't have too many leaders. You can't not have enough leaders. You have to have people at every stage, which I totally agree. You can't make something work if you don't have people strategically placed everywhere. It doesn't work. Right. You may have thoroughly enjoyed what you were doing. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't have wanted to apply. And I know that's the case for some people. 
But then they're told by their supervisors and managers, no, you need to apply. Well, why? I like what I do. I don't need to go anywhere else. Well, it doesn't show that you're interested in moving forward. That you're motivated to learn more. Yeah. So that's not a good look for you. Well, don't you need my position to function? So are you saying you're going to terminate me because I don't look forward to learning more about something? I don't like I'm fine where I'm at. And those are the conversations I know I had with you at that point because you weren't working there anymore. And I was like, do I want to just stay where I'm at? Do I want to move up? I I am capable of more, but do I really want to be in that position? Like, you know, right. and we went back and forth a lot, but I was like, no, I want to strive for more. You know, I'm already doing the work. I might as well get paid for mm-hmm. it. Um, and then to have that completely go in a whole different direction was kind of a gut punch. Yeah. Well, the second thing, too, is they tell you if you're interested, you need to apply, which is kind of funny to begin with because in that particular department, how often were people applying? People were really just shuffled around, especially if you'd been there long enough. And, okay, maybe they had issues with your calling out or whatever. So you apply, but then you're put on the interview panel. How does that even make sense? Without a conversation of we don't think that you're ready or this position is not for you. This is the plan for you. It was just, I was told, (laughs) I was was shook. I know I was told on three separate occasions, you already know what route we're going to go, but we have to do this. Oh, the fun. Try and guess. I can't tell you, but you better read my mind because you should know what I'm trying to say. So I was in the back of my mind. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to get this position. And then someone was hired and I was like, Oh, Okay. And then obviously there's gossip in the office and people talking about it. And I feel like a stupid ass because I'm over here doing the work, apply for the job. I'm on the panel. Someone else gets Mm -hmm. hired and I'm over here like, yep, still doing me over here in the corner, still doing everything and training this person and doing this and doing that. And I did not feel of value in that situation. But yet, you know, I was strung along even more being taught even more taking on more. And that's my fault for not saying anything or standing up to it. But it's just literally wild to me that you can apply for a job. And then you're put on the interview panel to interview potential candidates for said job. Yeah. Like, hello. That makes no sense. I mean, and maybe it does elsewhere, but it, it in was a our environment, <laughs> yeah, that would have never happened. Yeah. I mean, I think about it now and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight is really crazy over here. Um, so, yeah. I mean, eventually I was hired into that position under different management, which whole nother thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Should we talk about what gaslighting is. I know it's such a buzzword right now and everyone's talking about it. Should we kind of see, talk about how that actually applies in the workplace? Yes, okay. please do. Because okay. I, I hear it and I'm like, yeah, you've been gaslit. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so I had to look it up online because I was like, I want it to capture exactly. I can feel it inside, but I yeah. can't articulate it yeah. in words. So here we go. 
a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. Gaslighters are seeking to gain power and control over the other person by distorting reality and forcing them to question their own judgment and intuition. Take that in. Let it let it sink. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's deep. Yeah. I mean, when I found that definition, I was like, oh my God, that happened to me all the time. Mm -hmm. That's why I literally had no Mm self-confidence in that workplace. I never felt like I could make a decision by myself. It's like a little cultish. Like, oh God, you get browbeat so much that you think you only have a few people you can depend on and you don't see your self-worth anymore. Yeah. Or you're asked a question, a situation happens. I'll give you an example. Probably seems menial and stupid, but it really like lit a light bulb in my head. Um, I was in a meeting with all managers. I was not a manager. So I was just trying my best to um, represent for the department that I was in. And let me tell you, those meetings are intimidating because I sat in a few of them. They're not like fun. They're they're intimidating because they are. You're up there with all these managers who know the ins and outs of absolutely everything, and you're like, "I'm I'm just little me here, and just tell me what to do yeah. and what to write, and I'll, I'll make sure it happens." Yeah. yeah. And so, I'm in this meeting. It wraps up. We walk out, and the way that our office was set up is it's just one big great room with the exception of three offices that like the main management had. And it's just this big room with desks. And so staff sits in this desk and I walk out and I'm taking care of some business at one of the counters. And my supervisor at the time comes up to me and says, oh, wow, you really had your customer service voice in that meeting and is like laughing. And I'm like, lightweight offended and I'm like okay like I'm just trying to do my best you know that's embarrassing and she then continues to say something like oh did I offend you and I was like well a little bit like I'm you know that's kind of embarrassing everyone's over here and I'm just trying to do my best I don't know and then another coworker's like ooh like you know just making a big deal out of it like and so seventh grade on the basketball court right and so i'm just like Ugh, okay i don't do well in those situations i was embarrassed i felt stupid and so i walked away went to go put something away and then when i came back my supervisor was like are you good like are you sure i mean i don't exactly remember how that went but basically like asking me more. And I was like, yeah, like you offended me. I, you asked, I'm telling you the truth. And so she was like, all right. And just kind of walked away. And I let that go. And then we leave at five o'clock and by five Oh two, I'm pulling out in my car and she's calling me. And I'm like, I really don't want to have a conversation about this. So I answer it. And the, as soon as I'm like, hello. And she's like, what, what's the matter? What's going on? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you made that such a big thing. That was not supposed to be a big thing. And I'm like, you asked me if I was offended and I was honest because you embarrassed me in front of other people. Oh, well, now that I'm a supervisor, now I know I just, I can't be friends with anyone and I have to keep my mouth closed, completely gaslighting me, making me feel like what she did, 
I shouldn't have taken the way that she did. And I made it this big thing. And I made her to be out this bad guy. It was your fault for being told something completely yeah, inappropriate and rude. Yeah, she criticized me in front of other people. And because I then answered her question the way she didn't want, then it became my problem. And I was like, no. And then it became all about her and how now she has to watch what she says around um, around other staff now that she's in management and all of this stuff. And I'm like, okay. I'm not saying that that's what you have to do, but maybe don't criticize people by the way that they conduct themselves professionally. If mm-hmm. it would have been a joke, a personal joke of like something that didn't have anything to do with my professional side at work, I would have laughed with her and it would have been done. Yeah. But to be criticized by someone that is your supervisor when in front of other management, you know, like mm-hmm. that was embarrassing. And I wasn't even going to say anything, but she asked me. So I was honest. Yeah. And then it was just this whole conversation, basically making it my fault and that I made it a big deal. And the light bulb just went off and I was like, okay, this is exactly what I'm dealing with. I have to just keep my mouth shut, put my head down. And I can't, I can't verbalize things Mm -hmm. because you will find a way to flip it, to make it not your problem and to make yourself the victim in the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that became a trend. Yeah, you learned a valuable lesson that day. Unfortunately, one that's hard to avoid when that is your... Direct supervisor. Direct supervisor, because then what do you have? Like, You have their boss, but you don't really. (laughs) No, you don't really at all. So in doing some research, because we know that this is probably a hot topic, and again... We're not personally attacking anyone, but we wanted to do our research on this and really pull stuff from sources that back up what we're saying. We do have some statistics or case studies that highlight the negative effects on toxic workplaces that we can share with you guys just to kind of back up the examples that we have been um, explaining to you guys so you know that we're not just like full of shit and just coming up with these things because we're jaded or because, you know, we've had bad experiences and we want to bring valid, like validate ourselves in these situations. No, Mm -hmm. this happens in every line of work all over the world. Um, And so we have some statistics for you guys. According to the National Library of Medicine, the direct relationship between a toxic workplace environment and employee engagement confirms that if employees are working in a toxic environment, they will spread negative feelings among other coworkers. We can validate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like we said earlier, we were not saints. We obviously played a part in this after so long. I mean, we didn't go into it like being these people right away. But when you're constantly around the negativity and listening to all the things being said about people, it eventually turns you into being that type of person. Not completely, but it does. Yeah, it was very easy to, in every situation, automatically see the negative in it. Mm -hmm. Automatically. It was like every situation... This person's lying. How can I prove that they're lying? Mm -hmm. This is not legitimate. They're not working. Yeah. Like all of these crazy things rather than just being like, 
oh, I'm really sad that they don't feel good. Yeah. It was like, no, they're lying. They're lying. I mean, so far so that like one day it wasn't trusted by one of our coworkers that they had made some phone call to someone. Like, yeah, they said they made this phone call. It wasn't believed. I had to literally pull phone records to confirm that this did happen. Like, and it was a not a small project, but I'm like, why are we doing this? Just because this one person, like, if you have that much of a problem with them, why are they still here? Or why are you not discussing this type of behavior with them directly right. rather than trying to find the error before you write them up? Right. And of course, it's like, I want all this dirty details, but I don't want to do the work to get it. So I'm going to rope these other people in because we're kind of friends and have them help me. And I'm going to have them do the dirty deeds. Mm-hmm. No. And then that, like, you innately start becoming that type of person and distrusting of everything because you're like, well, certainly they're not just sick. Or it, certainly but, they didn't make that call. And it wasn't just our department. I later heard things about, it was, I mean, I think it was a management problem hmm. because they didn't trust their staff. They didn't believe the things that, you know, they were being told. I had a supervisor tell me that she and her boss were looking up the hours for a certain agency to see if they were really open at that time when that person said that they went to the office. Oh my God. It's insane. It's like, why don't you just give the respect to your employees Mm -hmm. that they are telling you the truth until they prove you wrong Mm -hmm. instead of just thinking negatively about everything? Yeah. I mean, and in turn, you're turning employees to making them feel like they now can't trust you because they know you're doing this digging around. Well, and that was the mindset ingrained in us was Mm -hmm. it was like guilty until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. And that's how we had to conduct business. Yes. We had to find that, find the bad in the situation and try to prove that they were bad. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Never disprove ourselves to be like, no, there's, there's, there's a potential we're wrong. No. Right. There's no potential of that. Yeah. And even if we were to find that we weren't wrong, it was, well, there's probably something out there. We just haven't found it yet. Exactly. No, they could just really be doing their job. You just don't like them. Exactly. And so you're making this a thing. Toxic, man. So toxic. Wild. So toxic. And I mean, I had someone at one point tell me, and <laughs> retrospectively, she was right. But in the time, I was, like, so irritated because she told me, you need to be careful because you're turning into that, referencing our previous supervisor. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. You need to be careful because that's not who you are, but that's who you're becoming. Yeah. And I hated it because this person, like, always thought they were right about everything. So I'm like, I don't want to listen to you. I don't know. Back off. And, like, looking back... Yeah. I mean, and that was the hard thing, at least for me, was knowing who I am as a person, knowing where my heart was and my like where my moral standing was. And then watching myself, it was like an outer body experience, Mm -hmm. like watching myself be a complete bitch Mm -hmm. and then going home that night and being like, I I can't believe you did that. I didn't like who I was today. No, not at all. Yeah. And that's really sad that a place that you work 
could really have that effect on you. Mm -hmm. But also, it also speaks to, you know, this isn't comfortable to say, but how weak you are as a person that Mm -hmm. you can't stand up for what you believe is right. Yeah. Out of fear of retaliation. Yeah, exactly. And that's not okay either. But who's going to believe you in that situation when you look like the problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Luckily, I think there are so many and this is what's hard is like the, i want to call them the ground workers but like the people at the bottom of this chain really were for the most part such nice hard-working people yeah and they had to kind of like choose their side at some point too because we were ultimately viewed as some sort of like trio or triad of it's them against everyone else right and so I think I always tried to overcompensate with a lot of people to like I genuinely did like them but same to make sure that they knew that wasn't who I was and that things may be said or it could be viewed as this unwholesome party of three but like no that's not who I am and so I think you do a lot of work on one side trying to make sure everyone knows that you're not this person. But then you have this other side of like, I have to kind of be this person because if I'm not, then it's a problem for me every day, all day. Yeah. And so I'd rather go against my morals and my beliefs. And quote unquote, play the game. Play the game to make sure I'm okay every day. Yeah. It was kind of like, survival of the fittest yeah is that correct to even say like it was like save yourself yeah (laughs) no i I mean (laughs) i'm gonna do what i have to do in order to make you know to make your day bearable yeah bearable yeah and like you didn't know it could have flipped at any point in the day but i just remember like as we've talked in previous episodes i'm someone that likes to smooth things over i Mm -hmm. i hate confrontation like And I'm someone, like, when I get super upset or angry, that's when I cry. And I hate that because that, to me, shows vulnerability. And, like, I don't want anyone thinking I'm weak. This is me just, I'm this upset right now. Yeah. So I never wanted it to get to that place. So I was always trying to correct and, like... Smooth everything over. Let's come back to the... Let's come back to the core. Let's come back to the core. I know. I tried with you, Taylor, but sometimes I would just get quiet at my little desk and just (laughs) be flipping everyone off in my head. Well, I mean, at a certain point, because, yeah, you're right. You would try for a long time. And then I think you finally hit your level of, like, I do not care. But I called out sick a lot. I had two babies while I was there. I am a very sickly person myself. If it wasn't me or my kids sick, I called out a lot. And that was a problem. And that is something I will take complete um, accountability over that. Um, And so I know that that was like really difficult with management about me. It wasn't the quality of my work. It was, you know, that I wasn't there as when I should have been. And so that was a big thing. And so I felt like when that would happen, I would get the brunt of the, what would you call it? The... It wasn't harassment. It wasn't harassment. Like the... I would get the brunt of the mistreatings. The ostracism. Yeah. And so I felt like in a lot of ways, it was harder for me a lot of the time. Yeah. 
And so I would get fed up and I would not play the game and I would just sit quietly and do my work. And that really didn't help Taylor because then she was like the monkey in the middle (laughs) trying to like bounce in between and make everybody happy, which I appreciated, but really sad that she even had to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like Anneli said, I probably didn't have to experience it nearly as much. I was a little bit more, I know for lack of a better term, like the golden child. Oh, yeah, you were. Not that I couldn't do no wrong, because I definitely, there were times where I was victim to that as well. Oh, yeah. Of being iced out and things like that. But it was a lot less of that, I think, because there was also a sense of dependability. Like, I, without me, certain things weren't going to happen. Right. So you can't treat me like that for too long if you're going to try. Right. Because things won't get done. Yeah. So I think like we experience it, experience the same type of treatment. Mine was just a lot more frequent than Taylor. <laughs> yeah. In that sense. But I mean, we just like, and this is what we had to tell people like, listen, and I mean, I will say for both of us during our 10 years there, I did not speak ill of anyone in my direct line, if you will. I didn't really speak ill of anyone, but when you're talking about what we experienced like now, how we felt then, it's not like I was going around to other workers being like, oh, can't stand this person. Oh, they're oh, trash. No. Oh, no. No, no. One, no. never knew who was going to get back. And two, wasn't going to risk it. No, no way, no how not happening. And I think that's why it was so surprising for people when that ended, because they were like, what? Yeah. I thought you guys were besties. No, I just knew how to play the game. And that's exactly what I would tell people. I played the game to make sure things got done because I'm a professional and I want my work done and I want it done to the best of my abilities. And if that meant me at 30 years old at 7.55 in the morning It's going to play hide and seek just to see if our day is going to be good or not. Like, this is a real story. Like, okay, they're coming. Hide. Hide behind the counter. And then pop out and be like, good morning. And depending on what that response was, we knew exactly what our date was set up for. And We sound so crazy and (laughs) silly. People probably are like, well, you're psycho for doing that. Well, no, live a day in my shoes and you would have tried anything you could to make sure your day was set up right. Because trust me, if you didn't say a hello in the morning or one that you said but wasn't heard, Mm. don't plan on being spoken to until after lunch. Right. Oh, God, you just dropped the truth on the ground. (laughs) I mean, how many days was it like, okay. It's just so uncomfortable to talk about because... We had such positive times, too, and I would never want to take away, like, the times when we were so happy and we had such a good time and we got work done and we were, like, this unstoppable team. Mm -hmm. And it's shitty that, like, the bad times really kind of outweighed the good times because, you know, like, I had my two babies while I worked there. Like, y'all were at all of my stuff, my baby showers and my wedding, like everything I Mm -hmm. love and care for everyone, you know, but it's like, but in hindsight, you look at it and you're like, but you also suffered this type of trauma that like, 
is ugly mm-hmm. and uncomfortable to talk about. And people are going to look at you and think that you're weak and that it's pathetic or they're not going to believe you or they're going to think that all of these situations are just so minute. And mm-hmm. They deal with so much worse. And it's like, but when you talk about mental health, you don't even realize how much it affects your mental health until you're in the middle of it. And even more so when you're out of it and you're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that's insane that I ever put up with that shit, Mm -hmm. that I ever put myself through that, that I Mm -hmm. ever allowed that to be okay. It's crazy. But in the moment, all you're trying to do is get by to the next minute. Yes. So it's like, I'm not saying anything to rock the boat. As pathetic as that sounds, I'm telling you, and we've had to tell so many people, because I think people in our personal lives even look at us like we're crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, no, until you sat in our chairs and experienced that, you don't understand what we went through. Yeah. It was a total mind game every single day. You would leave exhausted at the end of the day, not because you had a load of work to do, but because you were trying to navigate the people. Yes. This like white water rafting without any of the fun. Just like what rock are we going to hit next? Who's yeah. getting bounced out of this boat? And, you know, hindsight, too. I think about it sometimes like maybe our supervisor was horribly unhappy. Totally. You know, like we can't speak to that. I hope You know, I hope that there was a reason for that kind of treatment and it wasn't just because it was fun. I don't believe that. I Mm -hmm. I choose to not believe that. But, you know, I hope that wherever that person is now, they're not treating people the same way. I hope it's not a character defect. I don't know, but... (laughs) She yeah. was really lovely when she was lovely. That's that's where Annalise and I had this problem with we just decided we had to be honest with our truths because there were times where we literally laughed until we cried. Like, I can't tell you how often I would just be in stitches because we were laughing about something. Yeah. Or like just saying the dumbest things or doing things or whatever. Like, we did have good times. So... When I think back to those days, there's quite often I'll think of a story and I'm like, oh, yeah, or something. And I'm like, oh, I could text this person. But I'm like, no, like I also have to protect my mental health. And while so much of it, not so much of it, but while some of it was funny and light and a good time, there's also so much that wasn't. Right. And I feel at least with my experience after Taylor left that place of employment, the relationship dynamic between the supervisor and I changed a lot too. And there was a lot more understanding, respect, collaboration. And so I have a lot of different feelings as well because that shifted for me. Right. And so it was easy for me, not easy, but it was, yeah, in a lot of ways it was easier for me to forget the bad shit because the bad shit wasn't happening to me anymore. And so that's really hard for me because I feel like I'm on this line of like, I don't want to disrespect this person and speak ill of this person because we did have a different dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. And I also want to preserve whatever good there actually was there too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. 
And you've said that since I've left. And I remember saying to you, like, great, I'm gone. And now everyone's going to think I'm the one that was the problem because things shifted. But I think it just came down to a lot less care was given to certain things. Yeah. Because I held things at a higher standard to make sure they got done to the direction of which I was given. But when that person's not there doing that, then those standards can kind of fall a little. And so people are like, oh, wow. Taylor was really like trifling over here trying to get us to do X, Y, and Z. And that wasn't even necessary. Or things have changed. I'm like, well, maybe just less care was given. Or I don't know. Maybe I was part of that weird. No, I don't think so. Because I think that you upheld a lot of the procedures and policies. And you're right. If you were the only one with that knowledge beside, I mean, I'm sure there were things that you were the only one that had the knowledge of. And it's hard to fill your shoes. It was hard to fill your shoes. And so it was like, well, let's just do the best we can moving forward. And it was very collaborative because we had to, we had to keep the boat moving. Mm-hmm. And so I think with that came a different kind of relationship. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it was perfect from there on out. No, there was still quite a few things that, you know, were the same types of behaviors, but things did shift and continued to shift thereon until I decided to exit. I also think too, during that time, if I recall, when we would talk, you like, were not afraid to use your voice after I left, like at a certain point. You were like, I'm done kind of putting up with some of that stuff. I think you're right. So I'm not scared to say this. And they ended up responding to that. Yeah. Which I was always like, great, maybe I should have tried. But had I stayed, it never No, the dynamic worked. was different. Yeah. Because it was the two of you and then me off in the corner, like, what is that doggy <laughs> paddling? And I knew that. I knew I didn't carry the weight. I knew that I was like... I don't know, Michelle of the fucking Destiny's Child. Like, I knew that I wasn't fucking Beyonce. I knew it. So I was fine like that. But then when, you know, Kelly jumped ship, because, sorry, you weren't Beyonce. But when Kelly jumped ship and then Michelle had to scoot on over and start taking some of the solos, I had to do what I could do. And then it was became this duo. Yeah. And... It just was what it was. You won't break my soul. You won't break my soul. <laughs> okay, Beyonce, you go. <laughs> oh, man, we found a way to bring Beyonce into yeah. this. Yeah. Fun. It's perfect. Thank you so much for joining us for part one. Tune back in next week for part two of Surviving Our Toxic Workplace. If you aren't already following us on social media, check out our Instagram at With Friends Like Us Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes go live. And follow us on Instagram for the latest news. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Love ya.